loss helps us define our lives. By allowing our grief to matter, we discover our own strengths and embrace our authentic selves. Welcome to Good Grief with your host, Cheryl Jones. Get ready to be inspired, to create a deeper life, to make your time on Earth much more meaningful. Now, here is Cheryl Jones. Hello, I'm your host, Cheryl Jones, and I want to welcome you to Good Grief, where we talk each week about the transformations that can come from loss. Today, I'm welcoming Kevin Campbell, who says of his latest album, this is the album I didn't want to write. Eventually, I felt that I needed to in order to move forward. Recorded at Good Luck Studios in Chapel Hill and produced by John Shane, the album explores the stages of grief and metamorphosis that Kevin experienced after the death of his love of 22 years. Originally drawn to writing and directing TV and film, Kevin moved to Los Angeles and occasionally caught his dream, starring in numerous commercials and shows and writing, directing a web series and a pilot for the TV network FX. It was songwriting, though, that dominated his waking thoughts. For 15 years, Kevin was a fixture in the Los Angeles singer-songwriter scene. The stages, his sixth album released, is his most personal to date. Writing about life, love, and loss has always brought Kevin tremendous joy, but after losing his girlfriend of 22 years during the spring of 2021, the thought of writing about this experience made him sick. In the spring of 2022, Kevin moved to Raleigh for a fresh start and an opportunity to piece his life back together. Eventually, he let the song ideas he pushed from his mind in. Realizing that writing about his loss could help him, himself and others going through grief, the songs poured out. These seven songs that make up the stages capture the whirlwind of feelings Kevin experienced growing through the well-known seven stages of grief, or maybe we I'd say parts of grief, shock and denial, pain and guilt, anger and bargaining, depression, the upward turn, reconstruction, and working through acceptance and hope. The album also expresses the deep affection Kevin shared with his late love, Melissa. It contains a mix of styles ranging from blues, souls, jazz, funk, folk, country, and R&B. But Kevin's songwriting makes the album cohesive, and the music makes you want to listen again. Welcome, Kevin. Hey, thanks for having me, Cheryl. Um, you know, uh, uh, the, the bio, um, I had some suggestions, but I, I totally agree, having listened to the whole album. And um, of course, part of that is my own experiences of, of loss and what you've captured there. And uh, I just wanted to start by saying that music is one of my primary ways to process my own grief. And that um, uh, I resonate with that. I, I was I had 10 years that my my first wife was ill and so I didn't resist. By the time she finally did die, I was just like, okay, bring it on, you know. Mm-hmm. So I every day I just dove right in. But um a friend of mine whose daughter died, uh, a wonderful singer and, and guitarist, could not do touch music at all for a good long time. And I wonder if that was part of I knew that she was starting to move forward 
when she sang again. And I just wonder if that's familiar to you. Yeah, I felt that way. Um, When my mom died 10 years ago, it was like after a long illness and I felt the same way. It kind of felt like a relief that she was, didn't have to suffer anymore. But when Melissa died, it was, she was hiking the Pacific coast trail and it, the heat spiked that day hotter than it was supposed to. Like it was supposed to be like 90 degrees and it was like 115 at 10 a.m. She died of heat stroke and she was only 41. It was like total surprise. Like, and I'd written so many songs about her previously, just love songs and relationship songs. You know, I just, I just couldn't see myself writing songs about her dying and wanting to play them for anybody. And I couldn't, couldn't understand if anybody would even want to listen to them. So, and I also didn't feel like playing either. Uh huh. Wow. And that's an interesting thing because, you know, having worked in this this world, this grief world for a long time, um, when you haven't experienced that, you do think no one would want to hear about it. No one has had anything similar. But, of course, after almost 500 shows, for sure, I know that's not true, right? But right. kind of the, the starting point, um, I don't want to... I don't want to go there. I don't want to invite anyone there. And yet, um, to me, grief music is some of the most beautiful music in terms of the vulnerability of it. And um, of course, I did listen to some of your other music, which is beautiful Thank you. And, and substantially fiercer, I guess. that mm-hmm. It feels to me like this, this album is so soft, so vulnerable. Did it yeah. feel like making it? It's it's weird. I've, I've thought about this recently, like when, because I was like listening to my voice in the songs, it just felt different than my voice previously. But the way the songs were written, I just didn't even feel like I had the power to sing them harder. Uh, it, it, I don't know if that's just connected to how I wrote it. And then I just, but even now when I try to sing, I, I can't sing past the level like I used to with these songs for some reason. I, it, was like, it was a quick, like a quiver in my voice that I don't normally have. And I was like, all. I'm de- I definitely noticed that. I think that's why they feel so um, resonant to me, though. There's something so soft about grief, isn't there? I mean, not yeah. that we get angry and, <laughs> you know, yeah. lonely and all of that, but um, in the end, it's such a a deep vulnerability, yes? Definitely. Anger I- was a stage I never really went through. Like, you know, I... I, I don't know why I didn't go through it as much. I, there came a point where I was like getting annoyed, but like I just I had better perspective when she died for some reason than I did when my mom died. I wonder if those are connected, though, because I feel for myself anyway. Um, I've lost friends. My parents have both died since my first do- uh, wife died. But that first clobbering grief, you know, the first yeah. big loss, really taught me so much that subsequent ones have been different yeah and, uh, and i feel like just it's different when it's your partner too because my bills doubled you know I, I couldn't stop working i had to like keep working to pay everything and i was planning the funeral and there was just so much stuff going on like i don't, I really didn't have time to grieve until i moved and to that factor in your in your bio you say um, you kind of move to have a fresh start. But also I find people eventually have to make room for grief or they can't move. And yeah. I wonder if relieving some of the pressure of I, one of my daughters lives in LA. I know all about the economic pressures and yeah. he's in the film industry. You know, it's a very pressury place to live. 
Um, so I can imagine that moving also just gave you more opportunity to to feel what you felt about that loss. Yeah, it, it felt alienating in LA just because everybody knew us and everybody was always checking in on me or looking at me with a sad way, and I just didn't like that. <laughs> it was it was it was too much for me, and I was just and and also like I just couldn't. I didn't feel like. I felt like I could have moved forward living in LA, but I felt like it would have taken a lot longer, you know, because every time I walked out of the house, got to the end of the driveway, I saw where I, I like said goodbye to her the last time. And I thought about it every time I got to the end of the driveway. I was just like, I just got to be somewhere where there's no memories of this. Uh, that's where I go. That's so notable because some people must get away from all that and some people must be in it. Like yeah. the last thing I wanted to do was move out of my house where she died. And other people, that's the first thing they want to do. It's so unique, isn't it? Well, I had spent 10 months there before I left. And I didn't, honestly, I didn't think about it at all. Uh, and I remember two weeks before I decided to move, someone asked me, are you going to stay? And I was like, yeah, I haven't thought about it. And then one day I started thinking about it. And then I was like, maybe I can go someplace where I can just play a little bit more than LA. Because LA was still kind of post-COVID. A lot of places weren't open. I just wanted to go somewhere I could just play a lot. And I started researching cities. And I came across Raleigh. And I was like, that's four hours from my dad and my sister. And and I, I think I could play a lot there. And then as soon as I, I saw Raleigh, I was like, I need that's to leave. And, and I realized I needed to leave, you know. I was uh, able to make kind of deep, impulsive decisions like that. You know, like, this is right for me. I'm doing it now. Or yeah. was it a new thing for you? Uh, I was pretty impulsive up till I was like 25 and then I moved to LA and I was there for 23 years and, and I had settled down, but I just, I just, it didn't feel right. Like trying to move on and maybe possibly dating again and everything else in the, in that city. Yeah. I just, I just didn't, I couldn't see a way forward. I, 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 I can see myself moving back now, but I couldn't then. Doesn't the timing kind of line up then if you were with her for 22 years? We met, I, I moved uh, the first day of March of 1999 and i met her in may of 1999 two uh, two months later so yeah. it's the book ended that way isn't it yeah let's just share just a tiny little taste of the music so people can can hear it um Great. this is uh good to feel bad which i have to say um i i just love the title i love that feeling that you can actually uh feel good about feeling bad because it's so true. Yeah. <laughs> That's how I take it. So let's yeah. listen for just a tiny minute. I got the good sense and there was a good to be true. Nothing good about it since I feel like with you. It would have been so good to have more good times. Hurts every time it drops my mind. It's good to feel bad sometimes. I can I can see just I'm looking at your face. The audience isn't <laughs> when you when you I recently was um I a friend's mother died and I was part of a choir group that sang at the funeral. Mm -hmm. And uh we sang Wanting Memories by Sweet Honey in the Rock. Um sitting here wanting memories to teach me to see the beauty beauty of the world through my own eyes. I sang that for a year after my wife died. So 
I sang it past the point of crying. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden in soundcheck, I started crying. You know, sometimes there's revisiting that goes on. I think I saw that in your face. Is that correct? A little bit. Like I was thinking um, two days before she left on that hike that she died on, she was, she was a photographer and she was editing some photos she had just shot at an event. And I went down to her office and I had my guitar and I was like, I have this idea for a song. I, like, I want to say bad a lot in the verse, like, you know, all this, and then say good a lot in the chorus. And I played part of the first verse I had written then. And she didn't turn around. She just was still like editing. And she goes, yeah, keep working on it. <laughs> you know, and I was just like, oh. She helped so I, you write the song that later was. Yeah, and I revisited it after she passed. And then I turned the chorus into about her and then the rest of the verses about what I was experiencing, you know, I felt, felt good about putting a song on this album that I knew she heard part of. But also there's, um, there's some kind of permission in that lyric. You didn't know the depth of that at no. the time. Yeah. But maybe you were applying it to your, your the loss of your mother. You know, many other things have gone on in the last few years. <laughs> well, I didn't have the good to feel bad sometime line. I, I figured that out after she passed. Oh, you did. So I just had the idea of us doing bad and good. Bad. Yeah. 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 But, you know, that's a thing people people struggle with. I mean, I'm I'm a grief counselor and do this show and everything. People struggle with allowing the bad feelings, but there's no way around them. Yeah, and, I thought of not thinking about her anymore. Just like I couldn't do it, you know. And 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 even though it hurt in those early days, it's real a lot to like think about her and all the times. It's just like I still continue to do it because because I didn't want to like forget it's it. Her way, isn't it? Yeah, it, and and impossible for me anyway. <laughs> yeah. um, I I feel as if that used to be a real calamity of my profession. This whole idea of closure. Mm. Uh, if you don't close everything up, then you've somehow grieved wrong. Yeah. But to me, that's a torture. I can't imagine that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't feel that at all. Like, like, I don't feel closure. It still kind of feels vibrant to me. You know, I'm still close with her parents and her sister and all of them. And so it's like, still have people I can talk to, talk to about her and everything. Well, that that um, we may not have time even to complete this, but I want to get a, get to know her a little bit. Sure. You've shared so far is that she was a photographer, so two artists, two two creatives. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which, you know, I I want to imagine is so beautiful, and also if you're both self-employed, there's that whole. Yeah, know? yeah. It was, I mean, she was 19 when I met her, and I was 25, so we basically grew up together, and. She was tall. She was almost she was almost six foot tall. And she had the biggest personality. I mean, if she ordered a pizza, she would be on the phone for 20 minutes just talking to him. I'd, I'd be sitting in the other room and hearing her going, Oh yeah, I love that. Have you seen this? I'm like, get off the phone so our pizza can come. You know, like she was like, she was like that. If if we had to leave a, a party and it was eleven o'clock, we got out of the door at twelve fifteen because she was saying bye to everybody and it just took a long time and everybody loved her. You know, she was charitable she always gave like five percent of what she earned every year to charity and you know and she was an adventurer she skydived she she would she hiked the grand canyon hiked uh she was she was trying to hike the pacific coast trail when she died and that touched me when you said she was adventurous because then you know on the one hand a person dies doing the thing you know they loved yeah 
they died doing the thing they loved. But on the other hand, uh, it sits with you if they hadn't gone on that hike or yeah. it's very I was scared. I was always scared in those trips because like a lot of times she wouldn't have phone reception. I would like talk to her and then two weeks later she'd be like, hey, I'm back, baby. Like, you know, like and the whole two weeks I'm white knuckling, like hope she's OK, you know, and there was another one of those trips. So I was just kind of nervous and like hoping. But I still wasn't expecting the phone call when when I found out. I still wasn't expecting it, you know, even though I was worried. Here, as opposed to the real thing. They're very yeah. different. Okay. Um, she she impresses me uh, as having a little bit of a similarity to my first wife. Uh, those big personality people that, uh, you know, the, the story I always tell about her is um, we would go in and sit down at a restaurant and and often she was the only black person in the restaurant, right? Mm -hmm. Which gone terribly badly. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> but what would end up happening is whoever ended up sitting next to her, by the time we left, they wanted her number. Right. They just yep. just like everyone magnetized to her personality. Yep. And um it, it was I I learned a lot watching that because I was really shy at the time. Not anymore, obviously. Yeah. And, uh, I couldn't understand that way of being so much. Uh it yeah. sounds like Melissa was that kind of person as well. I got a good sense of what it was like to be her after she died, just because people that she was friends with that I wasn't really friends with were like reaching out to me and being so nice. And she made such an impact on their lives, you know, and. And that it's interesting too, because um, as the partner, uh, which was my position as well, um, sometimes there's a way in which other people are unconsciously having you carry their grief. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So they wanted to to be with you because you were carrying the grief in a way that they weren't, right? Exactly. And I I just tell everybody I was a lighthouse for everybody's grief. There you go. Melissa's grief. I was like the lighthouse. So let's come back to that after the break because I think that okay. is particular to to spouses, you know, mm -hmm. significant others. This sense of. Um, you're the you're the receptacle in yeah, a way definitely uh listeners you can go to the website to uh that's that's uh weatheringriefgot.com or the Vo voice america page the good grief page um please reach out i really like to hear what you're enjoying on the show and what you'd like to hear more of and to find kevin campbell go to kevincampbellmusic.com be back soon Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. This is Good Grief host Cheryl Jones. Whether you're in grief, crisis, deep loss, or transition, working with the right therapist can move you forward like nothing else. That's why I'm happy to be sponsoring BetterHelp. Their user-friendly platform connects you with a therapist uniquely suited to support you. If you want to know more, follow the link on my host page or go to betterhelp.com slash goodgrief. That's betterhelp.com slash goodgrief and receive a 10% discount for the first month. Mm -hmm. 
programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Resiliency is the human capacity to lean into individual and collective strengths with compassion and grit when faced with the challenges of lived experience. Join host Elaine miller Karras for Resiliency Within, a program of hope and healing designed to inspire you to integrate wellness into your life, your family, and your community. In challenging times, you'll want to tune in every week. Resiliency Within can be heard every Monday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. You are listening to Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. To reach Cheryl or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Cheryl Jones at weatheringgrief.com. Now, back to Good Grief. Welcome back. This is your host, Cheryl Jones, and I've been talking with Kevin Campbell, about his new album, The Stages. And uh, before the break, Kevin, we were kind of um, diving into a conversation about the way that other people um, look at the partner. Uh, I, I don't think people do it on purpose necessarily, but there's sort of um, a, uh, oh, you hold it. You, you're, you're the center of it. And then I noticed when I did, in fact, meet someone new that some people couldn't catch up. Like I'd been doing it every day all the time. Mm -hmm. So I was more ready. It was hard, but I was more ready than anyone else. Yeah, I find that. And, uh, you know, ready with complications. (laughs) (laughs) But... um, I felt as if I they were they were um I was supposed to be the widow forever. Yeah, I find that I find people with like I would just get like a text out of the blue in the middle of my day and they were like, I was just thinking about Melissa and it made me so sad. And that'd be the text. And it's like, not how are you doing? Not like, are you doing okay? It was just like, I'm sad, I'm letting you know I'm sad. And I was getting that so so often in the first year. I could imagine that's mixed too, because on the one hand, you don't want people to stop talking about the person, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You don't want to say, why are you, why are you texting me that? Right. But on the other hand, 
if it doesn't recognize you in it, like at least saying, how are you doing? Then it feels a little distancing, I imagine. Like I felt like I was grief incarnate, <laughs> you know, like I, I felt like with other people, like that's what they saw and that's what I was. Uh, I have a song on the album called um, Better Now. And like the second verse I go, I don't, I don't want to be bothered, but I don't want to be lonely, you know, because <laughs> that, yeah. that toss up feeling, you know, like, I don't want to be sad, but like, I also don't want to be bothered about this. You know, I, I didn't want to like go through it myself. Like I had friends that would come over and like, let's walk your dog together, you know, and I could talk it out. And I didn't mind that. I just, I just didn't want that to be my whole identity. For sure. And there's also that concept of, um, you know, the concentric circles, like an onion, mm -hmm. um, the very innermost people, probably it's okay, right? Exactly, yeah. They can talk to you about it. You're together in it. But the next layers out need to talk to the layers further out. Yeah. Th does that make sense to you? It, it does. And it's almost like in reverse when the person dies, like the people you're closest with are scared to talk to you for some reason. And the people that barely know you or have gone through something similar, they're the ones that really reach out and are really there for you or send you a book. And like, you know, I, I was surprised by that. Did you lose any friendships in that process? I Would didn't, you? but um, it took some of my closest friends like a while to really like check in on me. They just like, they're like, I didn't want to bother you. I didn't want to bother you. And I was like, it's been like eight months. Come on, <laughs> like bother me. Like, I want to talk to you. Like, it's, it's being, it's weird now. It's like too long. Uh-huh. And, you know? and also there's that sense of, um, like, do you think I forgot I'm grieving or? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> of course we don't. Even my wife died like 28 years ago. I don't forget I had that loss. No. It's different year after year, but. It really is. There's there's stages to how your friends react to. There's they immediately reach out, then they kind of avoid you, then they kind of check in, and then they kind of expect you to be move already move forward a little bit. You know, like just talk to you about regular stuff. And I was like, you always used to go to dinner with Melissa and I. Like, how come you don't talk about her? <laughs> like, it, it feels weird when they avoid it. Isn't that kind of avoiding regular stuff? It really like, is. I mean, nothing changed in you about her right yeah. she, she died but to me there's there's something avoidant in then not talking about her anymore it's abnormal yeah it's comforting when somebody goes i really miss her and i'm like yeah i do too like it, but that's few and far between these days they're, they're scared to bring it up like they want to they want to ruin my mood somehow or something and i imagine it depends how they do it Mm -hmm. uh is, is that true like yeah, i just i just feel like if you hung out with both of us you shouldn't avoid ever talking about her ever again <laughs> with me <laughs> sit down for dinner and say melissa okay <laughs> yeah, exactly just you know i don't mind it you know uh-huh it, it, i i personally don't like a grief that erases a person yeah because then it's kind of a huger loss in my book i know there are people who don't feel that way but it sounds like you would agree with that i do and like on my end like like social media I, i'm not the kind of person like i'm missing her today today was her birthday i don't post anything but i talk about it with anybody that wants to talk to me about her you know i'm not i'm not shy i never shy away from that 
Um, so you were, you were, my wife died when she was 45. I was 42. Uh, we had known each other since we were 16 and 19. Oh. Um, so it's kind of similar. The difference being she was sick for 10 years. And um, it, it seems to me, having interviewed lots of people who, who lost spouses early, suddenly, or after very short illnesses, it's very, very different. Yeah. Uh, you know, she was supposed to die quick and she didn't. So it was more a surprise she was still alive than anything else. But I didn't experience shock in the way that a lot of people do. It, it really wasn't shocking to tell you the truth. Yeah. Um, and for you, although you'd been afraid of her adventurous self, pretty sure she wasn't, I mean, the thing that she died about was beyond her control entirely. It wasn't like she took risky chances that trip. Yeah. It, she just had, uh, a, um, I don't know, climate change disaster, maybe even. Yeah. <laughs> like on that trip, um, the temperatures were getting higher the day before. So they actually left at 2.30 in the morning with headlamps on, trying to get to an out point that was like 16 miles away before like the sun came up and by like nine o'clock, it was just already dangerously hot and there was like nothing they could do. And they're just kind of trapped out there and no shade or anything. So, but yeah, with her like dying suddenly, you kind of wish you could have said more stuff. I mean, I'm glad that I wrote all these songs about her in the past and she got to know how I felt about her. So I didn't really have a lot of regrets that way, but I was, you, you still would like to, if you knew somebody was going to die, you, you still can say certain things. And I guess the things that for me were said were all about my future. Mm -hmm. Right. She yeah. knew that she would die. And so a lot of things she said were, I guess, on the level of permission. Yeah. Right. You better love again. You know, she yeah. said literal words. That's great. And, and that is a, a, a touchstone. You have to eventually realize that person would want that for you, but you don't have the words in your head. Right? I actually got that moment, and she died in June, and then it was like August, and it was like the first weekend that I had that had no responsibilities, and no one was coming to see me, and I was just at home watching TV, and I'm watching a show, and then one of the characters said to the other character, like, we're a team. And it like made me break down because we used to always say it to each other. I was like, why'd you do that? She's like, we're a team, you know? And so I, I was just starting to journal. So I just wrote that down in the book that like said we were a team and it made me feel sad. And then my dog came up and wanted the ball. So I, like, I threw the ball off the wall and it went out the room, across the hall into the bedroom and the ball never came back. And and my dog was just in there like trying and went under the bed. So I went to go get the ball under the bed and I saw a box under there that wasn't mine. I hadn't recognized it before. And I pulled the box out. And inside there was all these cards um, and like memorabilia that she had. And then I found like this envelope that had like um, my name on it. And and I was like, I was worried, like, I was, like, like was this a breakup letter she didn't give me? I'm about to read, you know? And then I read it. She like had like some premonition she was going to die young. And she wrote me a letter and never told me about this letter. For a trip or just in gen, like early? It was, it was, it was, a few, it was some years before. Wow. But she just in general felt that had this feeling she was going to die young. And she wrote this letter to me and she said all the stuff she wanted me to do 
and I'll, and 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 I'm so happy that she she did it. I can't believe she did that, and that she didn't tell me. What a gift! Yeah, yeah. And and I and I have to say, when my, my when my wife said that, it it made me mad. <laughs> I bet, bet on that side, yeah, I can see it. I wasn't I wasn't very pleasant about it. Uh, uh, and then I and then it made me sad. I was like, nothing will be as good as this, you know. All those. Yeah. things. But she and, saved you the guilt. Yeah, and le- yeah. Later, I was so grateful for it. So you kind of got that message. Um. Without it, would have been probably scary for you, since you were already worried for. Her yeah. If she suddenly said, "Hey, I just want to say some things in case I ever die," that might not have helped you a lot at the time. No, <laughs> exactly. No, not at all. She knew that too, huh? Yeah. I I do I do encourage. I work with a lot of couples. I do encourage them to say those things, though, yeah. because of course life's so unpredictable. Even if you, you know, end up living to be 90, you don't know that you will, right? Yeah. And they're important things to say. I, I've found that a lot of people who've lost someone um, that they didn't, and they didn't, didn't know it was coming, they really struggle with um, loyalty problems around, particularly repartnering, mm. but also around joy. Yeah being happy again and grief doesn't make you sad forever it, you know it's yeah, true um it's not you know this blanket of depression you're still capable of all the feelings right <laughs> yeah and you, you're still like ambitious you still have like things you care about and like yeah it all yeah so so let me let me uh, play another little clip here uh get to see you again you know, I actually reached out to your publicist and said, perhaps you should reach out to to the podcast Grief Dreams <laughs> because this <laughs> is just so up his alley, Dr. Joshua Black. Um, enough said. Let's just listen to it for a second. Yeah, I, I would go to bed every night for like the first year and a half. I would just be like, come see me in my dreams, baby. Come see me in my dreams right before I go to bed. And and anytime I had a dream, it was always so real. And then you wake up and you're like, oh, you know. <laughs> I have a real different version of that, of where I had this long series of dreams about my wife when I met someone else. Mm. Uh, she'd come back and I'd be so happy. And then I'd be like, oh, crap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now uh, what? Yeah. yeah, and and I I finally told her she'd have to not come back in that form anymore. <laughs> <laughs> the end of about a year, but it's so beautiful to see. Th- and those dreams feel different to me than your usual everyday dreams. To you? Yeah, yeah, they do. Yeah, 
and it's strange because like I, I haven't like gotten any like real meaning out of it it will just be like most mundane thing that we're doing it but it just feels real and then i wake up and i just realize that's like oh that's not it anymore you know it's like like a visitation instead of uh you know some kind of metaphor because dreams yeah. regular dreams feel kind of metaphoric when you wake up yeah but that was that's just an added experience isn't it and i have the hardest time like even remembering my dreams you know so i could have had many and i just can't i just hardly ever remember them I think I've only had three that I remember of her since she's died. But you make it sound as if you've had more that you're pretty sure you've had more that you just don't don't vividly remember. Yeah. Like, yeah, but it inspired that song and like I love that song. So and, and I, I know a lot of people relate about that with the dreams and Yeah. And, and then sometimes people are very mixed about it. Like they welcome it and they invite it and then they wake up so sad that they're not sure it was the best idea. Yeah. But overall, I think that it is because it's your connection to that person. Yeah. And I just really want to have a different angle of like about how the grief goes and the things that you like think about and want, you know, mm -hmm. like you just want any kind of connection. And like a dream is definitely one of them. Reminders of connection because you sound very connected to her. Yeah. Thanks. But the dreams must help you to feel the present tense of it here yeah, we are yeah exactly all right let's go to our, our second break and we'll come back and talk more in a couple of minutes and listeners of course you can go to weatheringrief.com or the good grief host page and to find kevin campbell again go to kevincampbellmusic.com back soon America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. This is Good Grief host Cheryl Jones. Whether you're in grief, crisis, deep loss, or transition, working with the right therapist can move you forward like nothing else. That's why I'm happy to be sponsoring BetterHelp. Their user-friendly platform connects you with a therapist uniquely suited to support you. If you want to know more, follow the link on my host page or go to BetterHelp.com dot com slash good grief that's betterhelp.com slash good grief and receive a 10 percent discount for the first month these days everyone is looking for information on staying young healthy and fit the voice america health and wellness network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you we talk about everything from diet fitness and aging to substance abuse personal growth mental health and much more learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives tune in to the voice america health and wellness network healthy living starts here Functional Medicine with Dr. Robbins looks at how natural healing and biological dentistry can safely and effectively treat most health problems. You'll hear about the innovations in both traditional and alternative medicine therapies with doctors and dentists, along with discussions with chiropractors, medical experts, homeopaths, naturopaths, and energetic healers. It's great to have all the best information in one place. And Functional Medicine with Dr. Robbins brings it all together. Listen Thursdays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Voice of America Health and Wellness. Your life, your health, your network. 
You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. listening to Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. To reach Cheryl or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Cheryl Jones at weatheringgrief.com. Now, back to Good Grief. Welcome back. I've been talking with Kevin Campbell about his latest album release the stages which comes out on november 3rd i should mention and all the songs relate to the loss uh the death of his partner melissa um maybe you can talk a little bit kevin just about um now you're now you're embarking it's not november yet it's october uh we're just a few weeks away because people listen to this later i want to time stamp us a bit um you're you're anticipating uh and and you know be willing to share what this album means to you um which means you're going to be in the story of that loss a lot right it's yeah. it's what the album is about um and it's a very deep expression of what it's it's about for you and i feel it's it's universal in some ways, right? Yes. How does how how does that sit with you to be embarking on, you know, at first you had to say, well, I just need to express it. <laughs> and then you had to think, well, I think some other people might find it valuable. And then you had to create the the album itself. And now you're at a whole different stage where it's going to be so public. How is it? Yeah. I think I'm just going to find out as I go along. I haven't really <laughs> that far forward with this. I haven't talked with anybody other than like close friends and family about the situation and like how I've been doing. So these songs kind of represent my path, you know, until the last song on the album, Cocoon, I wrote like over Christmas when I made it a decision like this year, I was going to get out and join groups and do things and, you know, and possibly date and all this other stuff. So like, so it was kind of like that journey until I, I felt like I was back on my feet. You know, that's what these songs kind of are. And I try to sh- show different angles for this. So talking about it, it's just, it's strange <laughs> right now. Strange, but I, I'm proud of these songs and, and. Uh, and they're totally meaningful for you. Exactly. Yeah. One thing I've, I've um, had a lot of people describe just, dis- um, regardless of how how the um how the loss led to creativity um when you're that public about a loss i I feel there's a pent-up desire for story around loss and a lot of people experience um people reaching out and telling you their story yeah so i can imagine that's probably going to happen yeah yeah so and a whole different um uh opening isn't it to be carrying lost stories other yeah. than your own uh the people you've talked to now have share the loss right they lost her too yeah imagine That's that a whole different experience for you yeah like i was 
I'm having a you know listening party this weekend with friends. Some of her sisters flying in town, her cousins flying in town, and everybody that knew us the time, whole time we were in LA. We got a bunch of people there for this, so it'll be interesting to see how they take it and you know and hearing these songs for the first time and if it maybe takes them back and you know and I just want to let everybody know like you know I I healed and I went through this you know and and I could make something beautiful from it you know because that's like that's what that last song on my album cocoon is about the metamorphosis of it all you know and, and the whole song is like you know I'm working on me sitting in my sitting in my cocoon you know and uh, and in the song, I go, I hope something beautiful comes from this, you know? So, and that, that's why I think this album is something beautiful coming from this. You know, I don't, I don't necessarily, necessarily think, I, I do believe when we dive into our own grief, it does lead somewhere eventually, who knows how long, right? 90% of the time it results in something. One of the indicators of that that I'm aware of is when you want to start giving it to others. You know, when right. you, you're thinking these will be of value for other people grieving or that this is something I want. That's the whole gist of this show, right? Yeah. This of value to others. And it takes a while to get there because first grief is very solitary, very alone. But eventually it doesn't lead to community in a way. Definitely, because I found right after Melissa died, the people that reached out to me had, were, were like people I went to high school with that were widowed, and they had gone through the grief, and they were the ones that were reaching out and checked on me and like and were telling me what to read and what to do and and all that. And I started thinking about that, and I was like, and when I see people die, I don't, I don't have that. Like, I feel like I'm bothering them. You know, I can just say sorry for your loss. I hope you know, wish you the best at this time, but I, I couldn't be there for them the way they these people were there for me. And I just felt like maybe these songs could be my way of putting it out there. And then if you feel if you're going through it, you can listen to it. And that's the reason why I was like one of the And I imagine if so, let's just say a friend of yours um knew someone who lost their beloved. And they thought, I think you should talk to Kevin. You would probably talk to them. I would do it, yeah. Right, but my reaching out, you know, on my own is like it's I've, yeah, bit about that. That's maybe a personality aspect, but I do think you probably have a lot more to give in that circumstance than you did before you experienced it yourself. Yeah, I think I'm, I'm like I'm kind of repellent to like advice. You know, when people are giving me advice, like just you need time, you need this, you know. You, think about grateful that she was doing what she loved and all this other stuff like i didn't i didn't really want to hear that it, it, it bothered me so, that stuff what's that the widows that reached out to you that way no, they weren't giving me advice they were just yeah. like there i'm there and like you know like, where are you on? <laughs> yeah 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 that's the voice of experience versus the voice of imagination yeah isn't it yeah let's hear one more little piece of of the the album uh we made it. Baby, we made it. Baby, we made it. Hard oh, sometimes I know it was frustrating. But I love for one another never faded. I'm gonna say Baby, we made it. 
I love that that is a song on uh, basically a grief album because um, the thing that I'm most grateful for about my relationship is a my first marriage is a distinct lack of regret. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you, you, you can't help death. You have nothing to do with that, really, right? Yeah. But um, you can help the way you relate. Yeah. And um, obviously, the beauty is painful, right? Losing mm -hmm. something you value that much is painful. But that song says to me, you loved each other well. Yeah. I mean, it, it took like about a year and a half and then it hit me. I was like, you know, like you stand there and you want to like death till you death to you part and all this stuff and like that's what broke us up <laughs> you know that's what and i was just like why, why can't we celebrate this like yeah i wanted like to celebrate the fact that we our whole relationship because nobody else was going to so that's why i made that song and it's something that that sometimes doesn't get said out loud yeah. right um that that and honestly when uh, my first wife died, I, I was hesitant to talk about the joy I felt at how beautiful the relationship was. Yeah. And because, it, you know, people were going to look at me a little strangely. Now I don't care. <laughs> but, mm -hmm. yeah. I'm like uh, optimistic as a person and I always kind of find the silver lining to things. And when it hit me that like we made it, I was just like, no one talks about this in like other couples that like, went through all the good and all the bad and, and everything. And then like death was the reason why you weren't together anymore. I should celebrate the fact that you made it, you know, cause I had a friend someday. when I was thinking about, uh, looking for uh, repartnering. Uh, now it's a long marriage, but at the time it was a fantasy. And she said, well, you're going to have to divorce Joanne. And I was like, well, that will never happen. Uh, I can transmute, you know, I can redefine, I can do all kinds of things. I can make it more spiritual, but I will never divorce her. It's very different from breaking up. Wouldn't yeah. you? I, I definitely agree. I definitely agree. Uh, so that needs to be better understood, maybe. But um, there's a lot, uh, a lot of people I've interviewed who have lost spouses. They do post things about the person who's died and they also post things about their new partners mm -hmm. and um you you gotta have a mature person because they can't erase that first love yeah it has yeah. to be someone who says there's three of us around here right <laughs> yeah. you know we're not trying to get rid of anybody yeah it's true i find that too and uh I just love that song because like I needed something triumphant on it, you know, because it's not all it's not all sad. 
you know, like, um, I thought Melissa was going to be the whole book, but it just turned out she was like a bunch of chapters, you know, and I'm still here and I'm still alive. And uh, I wanted to like to show I'm still fighting. So that's what that song was like. And, and it doesn't feel to me, tell me what, uh, how, what you feel about it. It doesn't feel to me like uh, good done with that. It's yeah. like the loss of you is a part of me. And I'm, and I say yes to the fact that we had each other. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, I, I'll take the I'll take the the bargain. Yeah. I I wouldn't trade. Have I heard that correctly? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, you're so right. Yeah. Well, I'm projecting a little bit because of how I feel about it. But um, most people. I, I mean, nobody gets to decide not to have the love to avoid the hurt. But most people also wouldn't choose if they could do it. They wouldn't. You just lose too much in the bargain, don't you think? Yeah. Well, I hope someday I, I I'm assuming there's a ton of photographs that Melissa took that are extremely beautiful. So maybe. Yes across some of them someday That's great yeah <laughs> the other half of the relationship huh yeah she was really talented i hope people will go look for the album i think it'll resonate with um yes people who've grieved but it's beautiful music too and all of us are preparing to grieve so i i hope people go anywhere they get their music on november 3rd and download the stages thanks for being with me Thank you, Cheryl. KevinCampbellMusic.com is where you can find him. Um, next week, I'll have Catherine K. Abdulbaki to talk about her book, Dancing into the Light. As a child of an Arab father and a white American mother, she spent a great deal of her childhood living in the Middle East, including Kuwait and Jerusalem. Her book is about the tragedy of her personal life against the backdrop of her search for an identity that includes both of her distinct heritages. This has been Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. I look forward to being with you again next week for another meaningful conversation. Thank you so much for joining us for Good Grief. Please come back next Wednesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time for another edition featuring your host, Cheryl Jones, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have a meaningful week. Abre mi corazón.